Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Today we want to talk to you about how love covers. It, it covers our sin. It covers those things that, um, you know, it, the enemy would love to take your past and he would love to display it. He would love to, he loves to use that against us. But I want you to know that in Christ, that love, his love has covered all those things. And so it's like, it doesn't mean that they never happened. It just means they're covered. He knows fully well everything that you've ever done. But when he sees, especially the father, when the father sees you, he sees the son. If you're in Christ, he sees the son. He sees his son, and he sees sons and daughters. Jesus made us sons and daughters. Today we were singing that song that we're sons and daughters. And we're making that declaration of faith that we are sons and daughters. And that's really what this is all about, that, that we are the sons and daughters of God. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to die to make us sons and daughters. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, thank you for this rain that's falling. (laughs) Thank you for this time that we can gather as a family. And we can just be reminded of your goodness and of your great love, God. So, Lord, we just submit to you. Holy Spirit, speak through us today, God, that you would penetrate hearts with your word, Lord. And that we would receive in a new way your love so that we can be more like you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, Love Covers, that's the title of the message today, and that comes from 1 Peter 4.8, uh, where it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude, multitude of sins. That was out of the NIV. But I'm going to read to you the Amplified. It says, Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. That's good, right? It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. And then in the message, I like this one too. I always like to read it in like several different translations. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. As if your life depended on it. Like, like Jeremy was saying a few minutes ago, if you don't get this forgiveness thing, then what are we doing here? Like, this is it. This is the crux, you know, the, the moment of understanding that to be like Christ, that we have to forgive. That was like the main thing that he did for us, first and foremost, was forgive us. And not just forgive us, he totally redeemed us and justified us, but it started with that forgiveness. And he hung there. And he looked at them and he said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, really? Because it kind of looks like they knew what they were doing. They were pretty intentional 
about how they beat him to a pulp. They were pretty intentional about spitting in his face and cursing him and hanging him to die. That wasn't an oops, I think I might have ruffled the feathers. That was really direct. And he's like, they don't know. If he has that attitude about that blatant, direct offense, then what could we possibly hang on to against someone else? Wow. So, I mean, he is our example. Um, But when I looked up, you know, the word for love here in this passage, obviously it's the word agape. And we've probably, most of us have heard that word. But when you look at the definition, it basically just means a love feast. Say love feast. Love feast. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird, but actually kind of cool at the same time. Because, you know, we don't really have a lot of feasts in our culture. Um, probably the closest thing we have to it is like Thanksgiving, okay? So humor me here. Imagine being so full of feasting on love. And feasting on loving others, that at the end of the day, metaphorically, you have to lay down and loosen your belt. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the feast of love. That's agape, right? And it's every day, every moment. This is the love feast. We've been invited into this. This is how God loves us, and he wants us to love one another and love the world. With love feast love. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's like inviting us to another level of love. I mean, I don't know how often I'm, like, love feasting you, okay? So I will, <laughs> I will trust in the Lord more to love feast you all more, okay? So, and myself and, you know, everyone that he puts in our path. But I just thought that was kind of a cool thing to think about, a love feast. So y'all are invited to the table for the love feast. <laughs> I, I had this picture, like, when we, uh, every year we would go up to visit her aunt up in um, Maryland. And uh, her aunt is an, an amazing uh, grill master and she um, would cook like brisket and ribs and, and we would just sit around and like at her grandmother's house and her grandmother would serve like, um, like chili but it was like a windy style chili which is really good but then it would be like stuff like, like just pickles and, um, cheese. and cheese and M&M's and, and you had and all the ginger ale you could drink ginger like, ale yeah it's like but Flowing. when her aunt brings these ribs and brisket it's like we're all chowing down and like I literally, like, went to a meat coma. Like, I, uh, I had to go outside to walk because I was just like, I, I might die if I sit here. Because like, I, I, I felt just so just, just saturated with meat and salt and sweets and everything else. And, and it was fantastic. Um, I'm not complaining. But I literally, I had to loosen my belt. I had to go outside and, and, and just and do, and get some walking in because otherwise I, I may go into a coma and die. And, you know, I just think of this love feast. As you just, you're just gorging yourself on the goodness of God that it just puts you in this, like, like state of just, you know, catatonic state where you're just like, oh, man, what are, how many of you are in the presence of God? And that's what it feels like. You know, you yeah. just, man, that's... I gotta walk it all. I gotta, I'm gonna have to walk this off. Like you know, the Bible tells us to be drunk in the spirit. You know, my, my good friend Blake Jarman, I was, he got drunk in the spirit one time. It was amazing. It was incredible. He like he was just down front and he was so hungry for the Lord. And this was several years ago. And he was down front and my dad he he went to lay hands on him. He only got like like this far and it was just like it's like somebody just went 
like that, and just, and Blake goes, Whoo! and like, and, and he fell down and he hit his head on the pew. Like, I was like, oh no, we were all like, oh, that's, that's going to hurt. And he was just out, like, but not, not knocked out, like, but not knocked out, like, you know, physically, but just in the spirit. He was just, he was on the floor just praying, just, and just, and, and the Lord was just ministered to him. And he was just so full of the spirit that at the end of the service, um, everybody had left. Everybody was ready to go to lunch and he was still down there praying. And so a friend of ours, he went couldn't got move a, y'all. He could like not move. Like he could not stand up. So that we had to go get a he chair, roll a rolling chair. chair. And we put him in that rolling chair. He rolled and, him and, out. And he's just like, I mean, literally drunk in the spirit. And, and we just rolled him out. And we were really bad friends because we rolled him out to his car. We rolled him to his car. I don't car. know what we were thinking, but we rolled him to his car. And he got in his car. And I'm thinking, okay, he's good now, right? And I'm behind him. And we were just going across the road. And, and I'm behind him. And I'm not kidding you. He was like, he was swerving. Like, he was trying to keep it between the ditches. Like, he was just... And, uh, and I was like, man, if a cop pulls this right now, I, we're going to probably go to jail or something. I don't know. Like, this is bad. You did not get your permission to tell this story. We're he was, sorry. He was, he was driving under the influence, but there was no alcohol involved whatsoever. It was just the power of the Holy Spirit. Love feast. And I want to tell you, it's like when, when God just gets a hold of you, when you're in that presence, it just, there's something really good about it. And it, it's just awesome. So that's what Amen. I'd say about that. So that passage... In First Peter 4, 8, Peter is actually quoting some scripture that's in Proverbs. Um, so if you want to write it down, look it up, whatever, it'll probably be on the screen. Proverbs 10, 12 um, is what he's quoting. And in, you know, probably the most common translation, it says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. And then in the NLT, it says, Hatred stirs up quarrels. But love makes up for all offenses. In the Amplified, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers and overwhelms all transgressions, forgiving and overlooking another's faults. And finally, in the message, this one's kind of fun. Hatred stirs up fights, but love pulls a quilt over the bickering. (laughs) a little quilt over it. Doesn't seem as powerful as like all the other ones, but I mean, obviously we can probably think back into the Old Testament, the story of Noah and Genesis after the flood and after they've already, you know, landed and it's like brand new world. We're the only people. And he's like, I'm going to build a vineyard or grow a vineyard. So he grows a vineyard and he gets really, really drunk on the wine. Like, really, really drunk. So then he, for whatever reason, is like stumbling around naked, (laughs) passes out, and his sons, one of them finds him, and he's like, oh, this is awful. And he kind of like makes a a big deal of it, like a scene of it, right? The other sons are like, whoa, we need to cover this. So they backwardly walk into the tent where their father is laying drunk naked with a quilt or a blanket or a sheet or whatever they had, and they, like, laid it on him. And then they were like, okay, he's good. So that's what love does. It covers you with a quilt. So whatever you've done or whatever someone else has done to you, if we receive love or we give love, we're just covering that over with a quilt. We don't need to look at that. Whatever's under there, 
We don't need to look at that. It's covered. So I just like that picture. That's good. That's good. He just covers our shame. Yeah. You know, I love, I love that. Right. Yeah. You're doing really good. You should keep going. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is my first time, y'all. It's a yeah. little nerve-wracking. Um, so what does it mean to cover a multitude of sins? And this is actually the part that you wrote, so maybe you should say it. Oh. I can say it if you want. but Keep going, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, like we talked about, to cover the sin, it, it basically just is another word to forgive it. All throughout the Old Testament, that word is used to cover in reference to sins, how he covered us uh, and covered our sins. And obviously, Jesus is the perfect example of that when he died on our behalf um, and covered everything for us. So we've already learned from the past several weeks of this series on forgiven that forgiveness is what we should do. Forgive, 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 forgive. That's easy to say, but it's like, okay, but how? You know? How can I really forgive this? And the answer is in the passage that we read earlier. It says, above all, love. That's it. Just love. Love each other deeply. Love is how we accomplish forgiveness. So forgiveness is what we're supposed to do, and love is how we're supposed to do it. Okay? Um, I was just watching uh, this movie, Hacksaw Ridge, this past, past week. How many of you have seen that, Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah, so it's, it's just a brief synopsis. It's about a guy, he uh, was a seventh-day Adventist, and he did not believe in, uh, in, in, in killing people. And he had, his, he had an abusive father and had such a bad experience. His, his dad actually at one point threatened to shoot his mom, and he had taken the gun away from him and almost killed his own dad. He was holding that gun, and and it, uh, and from that that moment, he just uh, he just vowed to not touch a gun ever again. But it was during uh, as he grew up, it was World War II, and everybody was going over to fight, and he felt compelled to go, but to serve as a medic. And so um, the story um, goes on where he goes through basic training and everything, and. And he's doing everything excellent. I mean, he's excelling. He's just, he's just really incredible at everything. But then when it comes time to shooting, he's like, I can't do it. And so the military was like, oh, yes, you can. And yes, you will. And he was like, no, I was told that I could come and, you know, and I wouldn't have to shoot. And he's a conscientious, conscientious objector. I get close. that right. Okay, close enough. So, um, so anyway, uh, Long story short, they, he ends up basically having, he gets court-martialed, and then he wins that case, though. And so he wins, and they send him overseas, and so he's there as a medic. And so they're, they're sent to Japan, and they have to they climb this, this mountain, this cliff there, and up above are all the, the Japanese fighters, and, and it's just a horrific, horrific scene. And, and people are getting shot left and right, and he goes without a weapon at all, no weapon, as far as like no guns or anything, and so he's just there just to grab people, and he uh, and he single-handedly just pulls like uh, everybody, like I mean all uh, like a, a ton of people, not everybody, but all the ones he could find. He he spent the whole night just rescuing his fallen uh, 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 soldiers. And uh, the next morning, like, all these soldiers are down in the, um, the, the, the medical facility, and they're like, how did these people get here? And, and they're like, oh, he's, you know, this guy, he's, he's up there saving people. And so 
Um, but so anyway, that's that's a synopsis of the story. What I wanted to get to was the fact that um, you know when he would go to people and he would he would first he would try to he would assess the situation. He would try to and they might be be shot and, and they're bleeding just out. And so the first thing he had to do was stop the bleeding. He had to stop the bleeding. And then he would give them like a shot of morphine, which would kind of just, you know, numb the, the whole situation. But then he had to get them back to the medical facility so they could actually be cured. And so the thought came to my mind or watching this and talking about forgiveness and everything that, you know, forgiveness is really like when we stop the bleeding. Forgiveness stops the bleeding. But love is the ointment, it's the medicine that actually begins to start the healing process. Because you can forgive someone, and forgiveness is instantaneous. When you, when you can, it's like confessing. It's like when you came to Christ, you confessed, I'm, I believe that he is who he says he is. And in that moment, you know, it's a really 2,000 years ago, you were saved. You're just confessing what he's done for you. But how many know that it, it takes a process for you because every day it says, work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. It's like, so yes, you're saved, but yes, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are, your spirit, man, was made right in Christ. But your soul, you still have to, you have to take authority over that. You have to change the way that you think. You have to change the way that you act. You have to change those things. It's a, there is a process in this. And I really see that when, in, in the terms of forgiveness being the thing that actually stops the bleeding. Sure. When you forgive someone, you have stopped the bleeding. Okay? You, you by faith, I confess that I forgive you. Well, no matter what you do, I forgive you. But inside, you're still hurting. Yeah. Inside, there's still pain. And the only way to really bring an ointment and a medicine to that pain is through love. Yes. Love covers the pain. Love covers those things. I'm going to talk a little bit more about, about what that means as we go on. Um, you have something? Yeah. I just was going to highlight again. So when you forgive, it doesn't mean it stops hurting. So forgiving is like that mental attitude, you know. And then the love, that's the heart stuff, which is harder. It takes longer, okay? So just to clarify that. <laughs> we choose to forgive and we choose to love. Love is a choice, but at the same time, it's a, an ongoing choice, like daily taking your medicine if you, you know, have been shot or something and, <laughs> you know, you need to get this healing process through your body. You have to, you know, submit to that process. Um, and so in the same way, we submit to the process of love to heal those hurts that have been caused to us by other people who we've already forgiven. Okay, so it is kind of a twofold process. Yeah. Another way to look at it is to forgive is to cancel the debt. So when you forgive, you've canceled the debt. How many have ever been in debt before? All right, how many have ever had that debt canceled? Man, it, it felt good, you know? One of, my, one of my goals, I don't know if you ever listened to Dave Ramsey, but one of my goals, and we're working, we're really close, but we're really close to being able to, um, I want to be debt-free, but I really want to call in his radio show and then and yell like Braveheart, freedom, because that's what they do on there, and that's really been my goal from, like, from years ago. I'm just like, oh, man, I really want to do that. I really, you know, yeah, it's great to be debt-free, but I really want to call his radio show and just yell like Braveheart. <laughs> Um, but to forgive is to cancel the debt. To love is to bless the debtor. Okay? 
canceling. Yeah, Selah. <laughs> Think, Think about, about it. it. Speak to hearts, Lord. <laughs> to forgive is to cancel the debt. To love is to bless the debtor. Canceling debt brings an account back to zero, but blessing brings the account up into the positive. Isn't that good? So when you forgive, it's like you've canceled the debt. Okay, all right. Even. We're done. We're good. We're good. But when you bless someone, man. And here's the cool part. When you bless somebody, it, the, the promise is when you bless, you will be blessed. Isn't that awesome? So, and so think about this, like Jesus put it like this. He said, you know, when you bless those that, that you love, or, you know, when you forgive those that you love, it's like that, what's, what's hard about that? You love them. If it's like, you know, your son or daughter, it's like, it's easy to forgive them sometimes. You know, I, if for me, it's like right now, especially because she's a baby, it's easy for me, you know, man, she kept me up all night, but man, I love her and I forgive her for it. It's okay. It's no problem. You know, that's no problem. But man, when you forgive and bless those that persecute you, that revile you, that hate you, Jesus says, now you've done something. And know that this, know this, that when you bless them, think about the, the reward, the return that comes from blessing them. Because he's saying that's a new, that's a whole nother level now. It's like, here's, here's where you're at when you're forgiving those you love. It's like, I, I love my wife. And it's like, you know, it's, I, it's easy for me to forgive her. It's like, but like, you know, if there's somebody else that, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a mean person, they just, and for no reason, just hate me. It's like, then it becomes a challenge. Now it's, now it's a challenge. It's a level, a new level of loving someone and forgiving someone. I can forgive them and bless them. But when I bless them, I can expect a blessing in return. It may not come from them. I'm not expecting it from them. I'm expecting it from the Lord. I know that when I bless others, the Lord's given he sees that and he's like, bam, that's good. That's good. Wow. You canceled that debt. Oh man, here comes a check, you know, in your favor. So, yeah. And it, it can be really tangible like that. I mean, you know, we've had instances in our lives when, you know, there've been relationships that have fallen apart and there's hurt and there's pain and there's going through this process. And it's just like, uh, it hurts so much. All you want to do is cry for me personally. I don't know if Jeremy felt that way, but <laughs> for me, that's how I was processing it for him. He might've been like, you know, I'm going to throw that bottle, but you know, we do things differently. But at the end of the day, you know, the Lord just spoke to Jeremy to bless, you know, this certain family or whatever that this was happening with. And he like literally just got some money out of the bank, put it in a card and just, you know, wrote, I don't know what you wrote, sent it to him and just, we blessed them. And so it can be tangible like that. Something really simple. It can be blessing through prayer, just praying, just whatever you want in your life, pray that, pray those blessings on, you know, the people that have hurt you and that you've forgiven because that's what love looks like. So that's, these are some tangible ideas. If you ever get stuck in a, that place, you can apply the love healing factor. <laughs> Keep going. You're doing Keep good. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will. Um, so, you know, talking about canceling the debt. So that's what you know, the Lord did for us when he sent his son. He canceled that debt, but he blessed us by giving us the opportunity to come into that relationship with him. Because if we had just been forgiven, okay, that's great. I mean, that's cool. But to know him and be known by him, that's the jam, okay? (laughs) That's where it's at. So, um, you know, 
it's all about relationships. So our pastor says that all the time. And it really truly is. I mean, before the world even began, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're in this perfect love relationship, this community. And it was awesome. They didn't need us, but they wanted to make us in their image because they wanted us to be a part of how good that was, that love and community. And so that's why, you know, he put the whole plan into motion. It's so cool. And so he made the world and he made us and then, you know, the fall happened. (laughs) You know, that's a whole other story. But even before all that, he's like, I'm going to make a way back for them because it's all about my, my kids, my created kids. You know, a pastor I listen to, he keeps talking about that. And he says, the whole book is about God wanting his kids back. He's so good. He's so good. It's all about relationships. And he reconciled us to himself. And he wants us to be reconciled to one another. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is an awesome ministry. It's so awesome. There's nothing that should keep us from loving others. And I mean, I know some of you guys have walked through some stuff that I can't even relate to. Ways that people have hurt you. But you are an inspiration. The way that you have shown love and you've forgiven. And I want to be more like you. (laughs) And I want to be more like Jesus in that way. Because there's nothing that should hold us back. Even the worst things that we can possibly imagine. Jesus forgave that, so why shouldn't we? Right? It's all about relationships. Love covers and it keeps on covering. It's not just a one-time thing, so you have to keep applying it like we were talking about. And that takes time. And it's especially hard when that trust has been broken. But you have to remember that when we get into this passage about what is love... It talks about love always trusts. Ow. (laughs) But you don't know what this person did to me. You you don't know how this hurt me. How can I trust them again? It's like, well, love does. So I want to be more like love. (laughs) That's our goal. And Jeremy kind of puts it this way. Like, you can't microwave relationships. I wish that was so... Oh, I love microwave popcorn. Okay, I have it like every day. (laughs) And, you know, it's just so great because I don't have to like do anything but just like boop. Then I just wait. And then I'm like, yeah, they eat it popcorn. So, you know, I wish that it could be like that with relationships, you know, when there's been hurt or um, things are just like, that's okay. We'll just boop, 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 fixed. We're good, you know. This is great. No, it's not like that, unfortunately. And it does require the work of, by faith, forgiving and asking the Lord to move through us with his love. And uh, you know what? Everything is small in comparison to the vastness of what Christ had to forgive us of on the cross. So I know that some of the things that we've walked through have not felt small, have not been small in that comparison to one another, but in comparison to what Christ did for us. It's all small. So I'm not downplaying the pain and the things that you've been through, but we just have to have that perspective that Jesus had. 
and that he could do that, we can do that. We can forgive. I want to go back here. It says, Jesus has forgiven everyone their debts and has blessed us with gifts that he does not retract. Is that, is that, I don't know. Jesus has forgiven everyone their debts. It's back a little bit, a couple of slides back. Jesus has forgiven everyone their debts and has blessed us with gifts that he does not retract. It says that the Lord, he gives gifts and without repentance. Okay, so, so not only does he save you, but then he gives you gifts. I mean, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and there are spiritual blessings and gifts in that. And it's like, and he gives it without repentance. He doesn't say, I'm giving this to you, I'm entrusting this to you, but the moment that you screw up, it's gone. He doesn't do that. You know, and I, and I had a hard time, like, you know, growing up, like, you know, because uh, just, just under a mindset that, you know, that, you know, God puts an anointing on you, but you can lose that anointing. But I, I've seen, I, I have seen it. It's like as I've watched people in the music career, and I, and I, it's like I, I love music. I, I brought up, and, you know, I, it's, it's one of my passions. And so I study other people who, have, who are doing music and are successful by it. And I've seen people with, who were raised up. I mean, there, there are bands out there, out, and they were raised up in the faith. They know the faith. They, and I mean, I'm talking like they were raised in just a very charismatic home and just, just seeing power and seeing healing and seeing all kinds of things. And yet they, they've taken their gift and now they're, they're using it and, it, and it's, it's, it's the same gift. It's the gift that God gave them. And they're very successful with it, but they aren't glorifying God with it. And I, and I can see, I'm like, I can, I can see actually people in the secular world where I'm just like, I recognize he has a, an apostolic gifting in his life. But he's using it for the world. Jesus says like you can, you know, you can gain the whole world and you can lose your soul. But he didn't say anything about gifts. Jesus doesn't say like you'll lose your gifts. Every one of the disciples full of power could have gone and done their own thing with the gifts that God gave them. And I just want you to know that, like, Jesus gives without repentance. And the same thing is true when we give the gift of forgiveness and we give a gift of a blessing. You can't give it and say the moment that they screw up again, I'm retracting what I gave them. You know, it's like you can't call, you know, you gave, you bless somebody with, you know, 50 bucks. I just want to bless you, you know, until uh, they screw up. Ring, ring, ring. Uh, hey, listen, that 50 bucks was only contingent upon you not being a jerk. So here's my address. I'll expect it in a week. Thanks. Click. It doesn't work like that. You give without repentance. You give without retracting it. Yeah, that's good. Because that's what Jesus did for you. I mean, he did that for you. He don't, not only did he forgive you of your sins, but he blessed you with gifts. Yes. And, I, and I really, I hope and pray that everybody in this place learns their gifts, learns what God is doing in your life. You have access to just so many gifts. And God wants you to use them. And you've not lost it. The enemy will lie to you because that's a big lie in the church. You can lose your gift. Nope. He gives without repentance. It might get rusty because it mm-hmm. hasn't been used, but that's okay. That I mean, that's like you know, riding a bike. You just kind of get back on and figure it out, and 
might fall over a couple of times, but that's what we're here for, right? That's, this is a safe place where we can figure that out together. So um, as believers, we reflect the love of God by forgiving others. So that's how we look like Jesus. That's how we're made in his image. We reflect him and we reflect his love by being like him and forgiving others. And another way that love covers a, a multitude of sin is choosing not to take offense at everything. So, you know, we have to be careful that we don't get too sensitive, especially in ministry, especially in family, you know? I mean, if, if every time, you know, just think of like, you know, your siblings or something. If every time you got into an argument or something with your sibling and you stopped talking to them for a year, you'd never talk to them again. And, it, and I might be like stepping on some toes here, and I'm sorry, maybe not sorry, but, um, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like, ah, we can't be that sensitive. I mean, when we're called into ministry, we all are. We're all here. We're, we're here in this together. Um, you especially can't be too sensitive because the enemy is like, I know how to get you, right? So, you know, we can't get tripped up by that. And so we just have to, let's just assume the best. Let's just assume the best about each other. And, and then when then things don't seem to be going the best, let's in love talk about it. Let's get real. Let's just be honest. Let's say, okay, let's address this because this doesn't feel like love and I want to make sure that we're at that level. Um, so, you know, Jesus told his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. It's a command. It's not even just like a good idea. This is like, this is what you need to do. I command you. We're like, oh, yes, sir. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How does he love us? Fully. How should we love one another? Fully. Fully. So we can't just be like, well, I'm going to give you like an ounce of Jesus love. <laughs> Mix it in with a little bit of like, mm, you shouldn't have done that to me, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, put some whipped cream on it. I don't know what kind of drink I'm making. But anyway, we can't do that. It has to be fully, fully that forgiveness that he gives us and the love that he's given us. And he said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. I don't know about you guys, but like, I want people to know that, that I love Jesus and that I follow him and that I'm learning from him. I'm his disciple. I want people to know that. And I don't want them to know that by me telling them. Because like, okay, <laughs> you know, cool. But if they can see it and how I am to my brothers and sisters, to my family, it should be obvious, like, man, even when somebody, like, annoys you, you still love them? Like, radically love them? Love feast? Love them? That should speak. And that's how we should, you know, be characterized and be recognized by the world. Is that we love one another and it should be like, wow, they're like Jesus. He's cool. Most people don't have a problem with Jesus. They think he's pretty cool. You know? I mean, they might not want anything to do with him, but they can't really, like, he was a jerk. No. I mean, they think he was pretty cool. So if we can be like Jesus in our lives, they'll be like, wow. You're like, Jesus, that's, that's cool. It breaks down walls, you know? Um, 
But anyway, so let's choose to not be offended at everything, right? And so those minor annoyances, being ignored, that's my big one. Oh, if I feel like someone ignores me, I'm like, no, you didn't, you know? So I have to like, Jesus, (laughs) I'm sure you were ignored and you forgave that. So I'm going to be like you. Um, In Proverbs 19.11, it says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So, yeah, even when it is intentional, it's to our glory to overlook it. Whew, that's rough. But it, <laughs> it's hard to do. It's not easy. So we have to put others before ourselves, and that will help us cover a multitude of sins. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. So next is, what is love exactly? What are we talking about? What, what is this love that we speak of? Okay. So, yeah, what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it tells us love keeps no records of wrongs. When we love each other, we are willing to forgive each other. Love covers sin in that it is willing to forgive. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Yes. So this is a a characterization of what love is. Okay? It's like if you could like, you know, it's like a characterization. I think of like cartoons, you know, like you ever had like a caricature drawn of you? You know, it's like it's usually exaggerated in many ways. It's like not, some of them aren't very flattering. I don't know why I'm going this route, but, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's a characterization of what love really should be. It's like this is what it looks like. You know, it's like in, in, in this is what Jesus is saying when you love people. This is what it looks like. Yes. It's what Paul is saying in, in Corinthians. And so, you know, I've heard how many, you know, love is a verb. How many have heard that before? You know? Easy talk. And that, Any fans? You know, yeah. No? Okay. That's, that's true. Love is a verb. That is true. But love is also, in this case, it's an adjective. It's describing what love is. But it's also telling you what love does. So love in our life, it should char- we should be a characterization of what love is. When people think of what love is, they should look at us. We should be that example that, you know, what does love look like? It looks, looks like Denise. What's love look like? It looks like Crystal. You know? What does love look like? Uh, have you been to Destiny City Church? It looks like what those people that go there, that's what it looks like. 
I mean, the church should be full of love. It should, when people are think, trying to figure out in this world, and there's a lot of people trying to figure out what love is. Yeah. And so people are looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> looking for love. <laughs> but they're not finding it. You know, and I think it, it's, it's very, very, it's, 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 I know it, it's got to be sad and it hurts to think that the church is not where they see love. That's frustrating because we're the bride of Christ. We should be the example of what love really looks like. So all those things, if you need to know, I don't understand how to love people, well then what I just read to you, if you'll take that, that's a great list every day. Just create that list. Am I patient? Am I kind? You know, am I prideful? Because if I am, I need to be humble. You know, we, we need to take that list and just up and, and apply that to our life and, and see. So then it's like, it's not just a, a characterization so that we should look, we should be what the example of what love looks like, but we should also be doing these things. So if we are doing these things, then we will be the characterization of these things too. Yeah. Right? So when people are trying to figure out what is love, well, I can look at, you know, I can look at Jessica and I can see that's what love looks like, you know? because she does these things. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You'll obey. Yeah, in 1 John 4, actually, it says, if you do not love, you are not in God, and you do not know God, for God is love. So God is love. So we said love is patient, love is kind. Replace the word love with God. God is patient. God is kind. We know that. We should know that. And if you don't know that, then there's some lies that you need to replace with truth, right? So if we can say that about God, we should say that about ourselves. Jessica is patient. Jessica is kind. Jessica does not envy. Okay? And continue on. And if you get to one and you're like, can't really quite say it about yourself, (laughs) then... You know, okay, I'm trying to do this in my flesh. That's why it's not working. In Christ, I am these things. So it's leaning in and saying, okay, more of you, Lord, more love, more of you, Jesus. I need to be like you. And so we can't do it in ourselves. It's, <laughs> it will be very fake, okay? So speaking of <laughs> something that feels a little forced, I remember I used to work um, at this job in Nashville, and I had a boss who would come in, and every single day that I worked there for three years, he would come in and shake my hand like we'd never met before. Okay? That felt weird to me to do that. And instead of just, like, suffering through it and doing it, I decided I was going to say, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. This is stupid. You know, little attitude, okay? So he would come in, and he came forward to shake my hand. This is so embarrassing because I was so mean. And he comes forward to shake my hand. He's just so happy, and I was like, no. And he's just like, what? I was like, I know you. Like, I only shake hands with people I'm meeting, like, for the first time, right? Like, we know each other. We don't need to shake hands every day. We can just say good morning. I just, you know, all over him just mean. I'm not a morning person. That was part of it too, but this is before I found coffee. All these, all these reasons. No, it was because I wasn't being like Jesus. And so he walked away and I thought, okay, good. It's over. 
Phew. Glad that's over. Glad that I addressed that issue. The next morning, he comes in. And he comes by my office door. Instead of coming into the, you know, like he normally would, he just stops at the office door, looks at me with these really sad eyes. And he goes... And he did that every single day because he couldn't shake my hand because I was too mean, but he still wanted me to know that I wish I could shake your hand. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, and I still wasn't getting it in my flesh. I was still like, ah, he's crazy, you know, whatever. He's sweet, sweet man. Likewise, Jeremy has kind of a, a funny story about high fives. So high fives and handshakes, that's what this little section's called. You want to tell your high five story? There's a girl. Her name was Kim Owens. I only tell you her name because uh, she would come up to me and she would be like, "Like, hey, hey!" She'd run up to you like real quick, "Hey, high five!" And she'd be like, "Hey, VJ, VJ, hey, VJ!" And I was like, "VJ, what's she doing?" I was like, "Oh, I was like, hey, her name's Kim Owens, K O, hey, okay." That's what she wanted me to say. That was what. Because Jeremy Vest, JV, she switched it to VJ so that he would say, oh, she's KO, let's change it to OK. Anyway, not relevant, but that's what that is. Yeah. So, anyway. And then she stands there with her hands up, like her hand for a high five. And Let me demonstrate what she would actually do. not an exaggeration. <laughs> she was like the stompiest runner I've ever, ever known. But she just genuinely, I mean, biggest smile on her face. She just wanted to get a high five from Jeremy. Like, how sweet is that, right? Shouldn't have been a big deal. But poor Jeremy, he, he hates high fives. I'm telling on him right now. Especially at that time. He might not hate them anymore. I'm okay with high fives because then later on the fist bump was created. And I don't really like the fist bump. So then I was like, well, the high five's not that bad compared to the fist bump. But now I understand the fist bump because, like, if you're, you got your hands dirty, if you're cooking or you're working out or whatever, then mm. you just, you know, fist bump. Because now Boom. there's no exchange of germs. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think you didn't like the high five because there's a lot of pressure to, like, make the hands meet. And, yeah. you know, when you miss a high yeah. five, it just feels really silly. I miss them you know? all the time. We all would miss time. high fives. Yeah, yeah, we're not that coordinated. Yeah. So high fives and handshakes. Okay, all that to say... If I was really motivated by love in that instance, not only would I have shaken my boss's hand every day with gladness, I would have met him at the door. And shook his hand or hugged him or greeted him in some way to let him know that I'm motivated by love. Because I see what he needs and I'm willing above, beyond, to be there for him in that way. That wasn't how I was, okay? That's why it hurts to say this. But that's what it should be like for us. We should be thinking of ways that we can demonstrate the love of God to other people. Start seeing their needs, even if they annoy you. (laughs) Oh, every day, even if they annoy you. Like, God, how can I just love them? I mean, that should be our heart. That should be our heart. That's what 
That's the little quilt that we pull over. <laughs> the annoyance is that love. I give Kim her high five every day. I just want to say that. Yeah. yeah, I do. So, yeah, yeah. He's more like Jesus so. than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we got to wrap this up here. So, you know, like when someone does try to give you a high five and like you, you're like thinking about, should I give them this high five? There's that moment, you know, where you're like, don't leave me hanging. Yeah. Don't leave me hanging. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> but like I was just really thinking about that and I guess I'm, I don't know, I might be thinking about it too much. But, you know, are we leaving people hanging? Like they're out there, they're vulnerable. And they just want to be loved. They just want to be accepted. They just want to be forgiven. And so we have to make that choice not to leave people hanging. Jesus didn't leave us hanging. So let's not leave him hanging. Love covers a multitude of sin. We could go on and on and on about all the different ways that love covers, but we're just going to end it there, I think, because we're past our time. Yeah. Um. You know, I was just thinking um, with with love and, you know, um, this is the, the tangible expression of, of, of how you love. It's, it's just, it's blessing others, you know. It's giving something. David says, how can I give back to God what costs me nothing? And that's what a blessing is. A blessing will cost you something. It's not, you know, we love to throw around the word free in the kingdom of God. Like, you know, like it's a fire cell for salvation. But it really is like, it. The, the blessings of God is like it's, it's a free gift to us that he's given to us. We can't do anything to earn that. But what we can do to forgive others will cost us something. And that's what will cost you. And it, will, and it may be hard. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. Because it's like a, mu- it's like a muscle that needs to be exercised. And, and Jessica briefly mentioned this earlier. But, you know, we had gone through a time and where we just felt you know, uh, you get hurt sometimes by people and, and it, and it, and it really stings. And it's like, you know, she was saying like, she cried a lot. I remember at the time I, I was painting, uh, uh, I was doing this project downtown and I was by myself painting. And the whole time I'm, I'm just like, you know, I start thinking about it. I'm just murmuring to myself. This <laughs> in my mind is so mad and angry and everything. And, and I would stop like, I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. You know, five minutes later, you know, and as a process, you know, it's like, and I just constantly forgive him. And it's like, I think about, you know, there's, there's a, there's a passage. I'm going to try to do this as quick as I can, but in Genesis four, um, actually, if you go, if we're going to start here, we're going to say Matthew 18, 21, Peter goes up to Jesus. He says, how many times do I need to forgive? Seven times. Seven times, all right? And so Jesus is like, no, not seven times, but seven times 70. It's said different in different passages. Sometimes yeah. it says 77, sometimes it says seven times okay. 77. It's a lot. The passage it's a lot I more found, than seven. There's a passage <laughs> I found, it says like, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, now I always thought that's a weird number. Where does that come from? 
Where does this come from? 77 times. And I've heard it other, you know, seven times 70. I've heard, you know, but, but here's, here's the correlation, okay? Jesus, Peter actually, and Jesus were having a conversation that's referring back to Cain and Abel. And I, as I was reading through the Genesis, like I, it, it, I was reading recently and it stuck out to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I recognize this. It's like, because if you look in, in Genesis 4, uh, through uh, four through fifteen, um, Adam slept with his wife, and she conceived to Cain. Um, you know the story, okay? Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel, and each one of them are bringing their sacrifice to the Lord, their offering to the Lord, and and so uh, uh, Abel he raised sheep, and Cain he just provided. He just he was like a farmer, and so. Uh, when he brought his, it said that his, that his offering was not acceptable. It wasn't what the Lord was asking for. And, and, but the Lord accepted Abel's offering. And, and, and so Cain got really angry. He got angry with, with God. He got angry with his brother. More importantly, he got, he got very angry with him. And, and he was just so angry. And God looked at him and said, like, Cain, why are you so angry? He said, you can do what's right. But sin is crouching at your door. It's ready to pounce on you, man. And what he's talking about is offense. It's right there. You're offended with your brother. He said, but you can fix this. You don't have to do this. He's, he's trying to talk him out of it. You don't have to do this. And I want to tell you, when you get offended, offense is right there. But you don't have to take it. You don't have to do it. And so you know the rest of the story, or maybe you don't. Cain gets so angry with his brother, he takes him out to a field. Hey, Abel, let's go talk. And he kills him. He kills his own brother and God, is, and God comes to Cain. He says, Cain, what have you done? You've killed your brother. He, first he asks, where is your brother? He's like, I don't know. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you've been offended. And it's like, Lord's just like, what's going on with your brother? I don't know. Ask him. He did it. It's his, it's his thing. I don't know. Am I supposed to keep up with him? I don't know, God. You do it. You're God. And so God... He says, what you have done, it's like, it's, this is not good. He's like, the, the blood of your brother now cries out from the ground. It cries out. I want to tell you, when you don't forgive someone of their sins, it's like the blood is still crying out. The blood of Abel is still crying out. So if you, if you keep reading there, it's like, down in verse 15 or 13, 14, it says, God, God, Cain said to God, my punishment is too much because, let me jump back. It says, God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's, brother's blood is calling to me from the ground. From now on, you'll get nothing but curses from the ground. You'll be driven from this ground that has opened its arms to receive the blood of your murdered brother. You'll, you'll farm this ground, but it will no longer give you its best. You'll be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to God, my punishment is too great. I can't take it. You've thrown me off the land and I can never face you again. I'm a homeless wanderer on earth who, and whoever finds me will kill me. God told him, no, anyone who kills Cain will, be paid for, will pay for it seven times over. Peter said, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Seven times But God put a mark on Cain to protect him so that no one who met him would kill him. Now, if you go, if you go a little further, 
Genesis 4, 19 through 24, you hear about a guy named Lamech. He's a grandson of Cain. And Lamech, all you know about him is that he had two wives. And so he was kind of, a, at the time, he was one of the first people to marry two wives. And he seemed to be proud of that. And he seemed to be collecting wives along the way. Lamech married two wives, Adah and Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal. And, okay, we're going to keep going here. If you jump down to 23 through 24, Lamech, he brings, he's talking to his two wives. He says, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and, and Zillah, listen to me, you wives of Lamech. Hear me out. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man who attacked me. If Cain is avenged seven times for Lamech, it's 77. You see it? Here's a wicked man prophesying. He's prophesying. Because I, I never could understand, why is this even in the Bible? It's, I don't even understand it. I mean, other than the fact that point out he had two wives, I guess, that's it. And this whole little thing, I've killed somebody, and whoever tries to take vengeance on me, if, if God said he'll take vengeance on Cain seven times, for me it's 77 times. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, teacher, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Seven times? Because if I forgive him seven times, that's like when God, you know, he was going to, you know, he was going to take vengeance against those who would ever take vengeance against Cain seven times. Jesus says, no, not seven times, 77 times. He quotes Lamech. Now that jumped out to me. I thought it was very interesting. But here you see is that that God is, he's speaking all the way back to the time of Cain and Abel. And that's how important you forgiving others is. That's how important this is. It goes all the way back to the beginning. That when you get offended at someone, it says when you harbor hate in your heart against someone, it's just like you've killed them. An offense is just like that. If you've ever gone through a, a painful relationship, someone who's hurt you, it is like experiencing the death of someone when they're no longer your friend. I've heard this when people get divorced. It's like experiencing a death and yet having someone right, having that person who died right there, you can see them and you know that they're still there. And yet God is speaking to you today. It's like he's saying it's time to forgive. Not seven times, 77 times. You know, it's like, it, does, it, it's, it's, it could be an arbitrary number for all I care because like, it doesn't matter. It could be 77 times. It could be 77 billion times. You are to forgive. We're to forgive over and over and over again. Let me tell you where we, here's the practical application of this whole message. For us, when, I find, when we gave that blessing, we had just finished the series, John Brevere, you know, and the bait of Satan. At the end of it, I, had, I was struggling the whole time. I'm like, God, I forgive these people for crying out loud. Oh, 77 times, 70 million times. I don't care. I forgive them. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I kept saying it, but it wasn't clicking. I kept feeling the pain of it. But when we took that, the Lord just spoke to me and said, take 50 bucks. And that was a lot for us at that time. That was a, whole, that was a lot of money for us at the time. And, and we took 50 bucks and we put it in a, in a card and we, and we just prayed over it at the mailbox. And we said, Lord, we blessed them. We tangibly blessed them. And we sent that. And I want to tell you, it was like, the moment I put that in the mailbox, it was like a release. It was totally released from me. It was like I've been holding on. It's like I've been chained. There's a picture of, a, of some chains and stuff of, of two people bound together. And all of a sudden, it's like when I did that, it was like I was just set free. 
The chains fell off. I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel the same way. The same, and it's like, and here's how I knew because the next time I saw these people, it was only it was, it was amazing how the Lord does this. I don't see these people for years, and then all of a sudden I see them one day, and it's just like I see them, and it's like I could think I could tell you everything that had happened, but I didn't care. All I had in my heart was love, and I actually I, we embraced, we gave each other a hug, I, and, and and I was expecting like. You know, still some kind of weirdness, but they, it was like, they were, they, hey, how you doing? And I was like, it's, love covered it. You know, you've heard this, like, time heals all wounds, but love will cover what your heart cannot absorb. Time may heal all wicked wounds, but only love will cover what your hearts cannot absorb. Your heart maybe can't absorb some of the hurts that have, been, that have come to you. You just don't know how to deal with it. I want to tell you, love can cover it. Love can heal it. Yes. Forgiveness will stop the bleeding, but love will heal it. Yes. If you want that today, just stand to your feet. Yes. And I just bless you today. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you with the power to forgive the way that Jesus has forgiven you. Not seven times, but 77 times. That you are forgiven and now you can forgive. And now the, the bleeding has stopped. And so now I want you to ask the Lord this week, Lord, how can I bless those who have hurt me? How can I bless those who have persecuted me? Maybe it's money. You need to send money. You know, the most tangible expression the, the, you know, in, that we know today is cash. Cash talks, right? And I want to tell you, man, it's like, when you get cash, it's just like, man, that's awesome. Especially when you get it from someone you think hates you. Think about that. Think about how that would affect you. But you've got to give the way Jesus gives to you. He doesn't expect anything in return. He's not expecting something back. He's just given without retraction, without repentance. So just raise your hands to the Lord. And say, I receive forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. And I give forgiveness. And I give forgiveness. I receive the blessing. I receive the blessing. And I will give the blessing. And I will give the blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.